Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm in the studio yet again with... Nate Phillips. <laughs> so, Nate and Nate back on the air. And again today, we're going to be interviewing for the second week in a row, Jason Jimenez, author of The Raging War of Ideas, How to Take Back Our Faith, Families, and Country. I hope you enjoyed the interview last week as much as I did. We talked about all sorts of different things. We talked about cultural relativism. We talked about the exclusive claims of Christ. We talked about tolerance and the lack thereof. We talked about how all this is leading to a culture in our country where really standards are just being eroded and everyone kind of does whatever they please. And that's really leading to all sorts of trouble. When we look around the nation today, we see a complete disrespect for life itself. That's demonstrated in a million-plus babies a year being clinically murdered legally in this country. We see a complete lack of respect for personal property the government can take from one and give to another without any regard for what anyone has done or how they've worked for what they own. We see a complete lack of respect for marriage and the value that traditional marriage has played in our society. And we just see a down spiral of values in this country. And it is something that, again, I beg for your tolerance. If you think that was a crazy statement you just heard out of my mouth, I would ask you to demonstrate the tolerance that you preach and to be willing to have an open mind as we begin to talk about the consequences of our nation's rejection of absolutes. So with that in mind, welcome again to the show, Jason Jimenez, president of Reshift Ministries and author of The Raging War of Ideas and a few other books. Thanks for being on The God Solution. Nate, Nate, glad to be here. <laughs> glad you're on the air. So as we talked about this post-Christian era that America has begun to enter into, the, the question that I want to ask is, why is this young generation so troubled and confused? Because the promise was that as we escaped the bondage of traditional ways of thinking and traditional belief systems, there'd be something more on the other side. But whether it's Robin Williams's recent suicide or many other things in society, we kind of see the opposite of that freedom that the secular establishment has promised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's well said, Nate. And I, I think um, again to your listeners, you know, to understand is that when, when we address some of these things, to have the proper solutions, or in many cases, to have the right directive, you have to understand what you're up against. In this case, uh, the problems that we face. And so, as you were saying in the introduction, you know, when you turn your back from God, and you start living your own truth, and you're not holding to the pure. Uh, and unadulterated teachings of Jesus Christ, there will be consequences. And so we are seeing that in, in our families, uh, et cetera. And so um, to your to your point with this young generation, they are troubled and they are very confused. Now, for your listeners to understand, when we're talking about this generation, they're known as either, you know, you can call them Generation Y or Millennials. Now, Millennials are people in the mid-'80s up to probably around, uh, 9/11 when it happened in 2001. So they're a very young group of individuals, very talented, very multi-ethnical. Uh, the white person, if you will, uh, are not the dominant ones in this millennial generation. They're very diverse ethnically, um, 
and uh, they're the ones obviously followed Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer, you know, and before that, obviously, were baby boomers, and before the baby boomers, you know, was the greatest generation, the traditionalists, you know, that led the wars, World War One and World War Two. Um, but the millennials now, they have come out of a generation like mine that came out of a generation of baby boomers who were divorcing a lot. Remember, remember the free sex in the 60s and led by a lot of the baby boomers. Um, and so we see a lot of confusion among this generation today. And, you know, a lot of them label them as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, um, because we're seeing over a third of the almost 80 million millennials that, that inhabit America today um, don't claim any belief whatsoever. They don't want to be known as labeled as an atheist. They don't want to be labeled as an agnostic, and they don't want to be labeled as anything. Well, when you engage millennials, which I love to do, by the way, um, you find that they are very entertained by authenticity, and they're, they're very drawn to that, and they want to discuss truth matters. They want to get to the end solution. You know, they're not looking to be rebellious. My generation is more, more known as the rebellious bunch than the neglected bunch. Um, but a lot of the troubling factors you find with young people is because of the lack of relationships or authentic relationships that they really have. And when people claim to be Christian and they don't live it, it's very troubling to this generation. And so sad to say, um, and this is not beating up the church or anything like that, because I really believe it starts in the home. But the sad truth of the matter is, Nate, Nate, is this, is that parents, I believe, have really failed transferring their faith if, in fact, they came from a Christian home um, to the next generation. They were not living it authentically. They, were, they did not disciple this generation. And as a result, um, without uh, living it for themselves and having an example of what it looks like, uh, which is very important, by the way, because Scripture holds to that, um, they they have come out of it saying, I don't have anything to do with that. Or if that's what Christianity is about, um, and you weren't able to not only address it with my doubts and my concerns, but you didn't even live it, and if it was really important to you, then you shouldn't live like that. So, of course, they know that. Uh, the end result is what you find today. And Christianity um, is, is now becoming less and less involved. And, 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 and less and less people are becoming Christian. And again, churches are falling apart as a result because people are leaving the church. And so these are bad times we're living in. But I also believe in the God of grace and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that there's a great revival that's about to break out in our society today. Absolutely. Let me just jump in and share a couple of stats with you from, from right here on our campus. So I don't know if this is true for the whole country, but we live in a pretty liberal little town with a pretty liberal little liberal arts college and we survey literally four five hundred or more freshmen every fall and what we see year after year is that the number of those that had any kind of christian background is decreasing so last year less than 40 percent of the students that i interviewed had had any kind of evangelical interaction ever in their life. And I mean, I'm even talking like went to church with a friend a couple times or went to a young life camp or something like that. So fewer than 40% had any kind of interaction like that. Of those, a huge percentage said that their parents took them to church when they were very young, but quit taking them many, many years ago. And a lot of them grew up in families that claim to be Christian, but there's no real evidence of that in any way. 
Now, here's how that's resulted in what they think. We ask them, oftentimes, what is your level of spiritual interest? And usually it's in the high sixes and sevens, as far as out of ten, um, is the level that they say indicates their level of spiritual interest. So they're very spiritually interested. But get this, if you ask them what they think about Jesus, their interest in Jesus is in the high sevens and eights year after year after year. And so they're even more interested in Jesus than they are just in random spiritual issues. So they've had a disconnect with Christianity, a disconnect with the church. Most of them have a really bad view of the church, but that is not transferred to Jesus. They're spiritually hungry, and they're extremely interested in Jesus. And the result is when we share the gospel on campus, we see many students put their trust in Christ every year. It's exactly what you're saying about our nation right now. I mean, you're right on the money, and we see it on the ground. Well, I, and let me say something to that because I think, I think Nate, that's very compelling, the fact that you guys do that because I, there's a distinction in many of the people working with this generation today. We talk about this often is we make the distinction between when people say, well, you know, many young people are abandoning the church, for example. Well, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're leaving the faith. So sometimes, you know, certain titles of articles or books or whatever the case may be, you'll see that type of terminology being used, you know, young people leaving the faith, right? Um, but to your point, what, what, in fact, what they're leaving is an institution, mm-hmm. an institution that's not authentic. And, and you know what? I wouldn't want to be a part of something that says one thing and does another, right? I mean, you think about a restaurant. You know, I go to Chick-fil-A. Uh, I don't get a hamburger, right? <laughs> you go there for chicken. You know, if, if, if that was the case, if they started to sell hamburgers, they would, I think it would really dilute their message and their product. And so the case, I mean, that's and that's just a fast food joint, right? Of course, you guys love Chick-fil-A, right? You bet. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting okay, for good. one to come out to this area of the country. Yeah, I know you guys. I don't think you guys have it yet. But so if that's the case there for you know as a as a consumer as a customer for a product that I'm looking to to enjoy, when you go into a church, that's what you're expecting. And so yes, I would say this, and I tell this working with pastors and churches around the country. Listen. Oftentimes, when someone comes to a church, what do they hear from the most? They hear from the pastor. What message really a lot of times is the articulation. You know, it's the presenter. It's to the audience, right? It's that podcast mode. It's that experiencing a good message, a good delivery from the person. So a lot of times, these young people, what they've gotten for so long, if in fact they were a part of a church, was uh, the personality of the pastor rather, rather than the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so sadly, to your point, you, know, you guys are serving young freshmen that are coming in. Yes, I think it does speak to, the, to one of the major problems here is that churches have lost the passion and the conviction to teach and to live Jesus to this generation. I mean, how sad to think about that. But that's where we're at. These people also, I would say, have had false conversions. So many Mm -hmm. of these younger people that are leaving the church, if you will, or leaving the faith, in some cases, why they're leaving the faith is because they didn't even have the faith to begin with. That's absolutely right. And so that's important for us to understand. And and I think with that, I'm very optimistic because, yes, if I go out there on college camps like you guys do and you're out there engaging, I'm there to represent Jesus Christ. I'm there to talk about Jesus Christ, not the church down the street. 
Okay, so yeah, I think that's I think that's very important for us to understand. Hmm. Now, to to go back a little bit to something else that we we're talking about, you you mentioned all the broken homes of of uh, this generation and uh, the past generation, and the government's you know, seen a lot of the problems with our society. They've seen um, the the rise of poverty. They've they've seen uh, the rise of mental illness, and they've established a number of welfare programs that are are meant to address those issues, uh, why can't those programs solve the problems that are actually in broken homes? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I, obviously, one, the truth of the matter is because they're not bringing God solutions. Mm. They're more or less bringing man solutions. Now, I, I, I don't oppose every form of welfare, you know. I mean, hear me out in, in, in this discussion. But I think government has replaced responsibility with a church, uh, was once doing, which goes back to our previous discussions. You know, when we were propagating the, the message of Jesus Christ and we were modeling Jesus Christ and extending blessings from Jesus Christ and proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ, we were the ones that were advancing those type of programs uh, in the church, through the church, by the church, in the name of Jesus Christ. People were assembling together and giving uh, their their belongings to the, to meet the needs of others. When we started to remove ourselves from those responsibilities and the, and the government started to step in with these other welfare programs to meet the needs of these kind of families, they may be meeting temporal needs, but there's no incentive or motivation to get them out of whatever problems they find themselves in. When the welfare programs under Jimmy Carter really started to escalate, they were pointing to this growing problem, and that was broken homes. Well, that was during the free sex era going into the 70s. They were paying the consequences of those things. Well, as the welfare program started to come in, of course, some of the economy was shoddy back then as well, uh, dads were leaving the homes because there was no need to be there because the government was going to take care of the needs of the family. Well, those are temporal, physical needs. Uh, we're addressing not just meeting the needs physically, but we as Christians go beyond that. We go, what, to spiritual needs, and that speaks to Jesus in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman this half-Jew. They were defiled. Nobody pursued these type of people. They were outcasts. They were, they were worse than outcasts. Yet to Jesus, uh, he had a love for all people, even Samaritans. And he wasn't just there to uh, ensure that she was okay physically and getting water or quenching his thirst, but to share with her that he is a living water. And I think that they're not able to meet, meet those needs entirely because it's not a God solution approach, it's just a man solution, and they only are able to hold back some of the problems initially or temporarily, but in terms of the future, it's not helping, it's getting worse. Mm. Maybe even the analogy that's been used for ages, uh, you can give a man a fish or you can teach him to fish. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, another indication of the broken family and the decay of our society is, I mentioned it previously, but the number of abortions happening in this country, it's just unbelievable. And I mean, we just had a couple that we know recently get pregnant with their first child, and they got an ultrasound of that little baby at nine weeks. And I asked them, I said, doesn't it change everything when you see that first ultrasound? And they said, yeah. And and he said, it just how could anybody kill a human being? And he goes, we watched the heartbeat. How could anybody kill a human being like that? And we've talked about this on the show. We've 
debated Planned Parenthood on campus, got into all sorts of hot water after that. But the reality is this is just one more illustration of what you're talking about. So what's going on with this incredible number of abortions in our country, and what can we do to bring back a respect for life and stop this murder of innocent babies? Well, I, I think, Nate, again, I think this this really, if there is one issue, moral issue, that I would say culminates what we've discussed about naturalism, cultural relativism, you know, post-Christian era, look at the atrocity of abortion, as you've pointed out. Yes. Now, my wife and I, uh, we are sidewalk counselors. So um, in our ministry, part of what we do is we go out there to the abortion clinics in our, in our own city, and we stand out there. Uh, extending the love of Christ to try to give uh, these young women, and obviously sometimes even uh, older women, um, to come get an ultrasound. And we have resources, and to be there to love them and to pray with them um, and to and choose uh, life rather than death. This speaks to the growing problem, and I want to say if there's any listeners who is post-abortive who's gone through this, um, the Lord loves you. God loves you. Jesus Christ came to give life, not to destroy it. Every human being, and we know that life begins at conception. You know, that's not really the issue oftentimes, by the way, when we're at the abortion mills. Most of these people who profess to be believers in God, even some Christians, so they prayed about it and they come to the conclusion that this is the best situation for them, is to go through the, the abortion. They're not denying that this is a non-life Many parents outside abortion mills, uh, and I want to be very direct about this, they will tell me, my wife and other amazing sidewalk counselors that we, that we have, that we work with, they will say to us, I cannot afford another child. And that, Nate, is so troubling because we're not out there debating whether this is life or not. Now, obviously, you get some people out there that are chewing you out, of course, and and telling you to mind your own business and a woman has a right to choose and it's her choice that's, that trumps everything else. I get that. But most of the time, you know, uh, they're saying to us, I can't afford another child. And you think, who on earth, what parent who recognizes that they are carrying life just like the life that they have that are oftentimes we see vans coming in there and they have children buckled in the back seat. And one time I'll never forget, I looked at a father and he says, look, we've made this decision. I said, so, sir, are you telling me, and I pointed over to his children, that you have a child like that, obviously not at that development stage, but at some point will be like that, that's in your mother, that's in your wife's womb right now? I said, yes. And he says, we know it's a boy. I said, so you are going in there to end that life because you said you guys are not willing to have more than whatever I think it was like three kids and he said that's exactly right he said this is the best thing for our family I said that as a father your job is to do what with your children he says provide for them etc he said that's the point I can't provide for this other one and of course with tears in my eyes I, I had to hold them back because it was so sad to me that a father admitting that this is a life is willing to end that life because really they're selfish and so, yes, this speaks to the, 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 the godlessness that we are undergoing in our culture today. And so abortion is, in my opinion, and I think the facts back it up, um, speaks to the, the uh, 
the lack of consciousness that we have now for, for life. And this is the danger of abortion. It leads to euthanasia issues as, right, as well, right? Because if you remove God, you redefine truth, and Christianity is becoming less and less uh, influenced in our culture today, and the family structure continues to be removed, you can redefine life. Because man becomes the arbiter, and that is a dangerous position for any society to be in. When God is no longer the one that we revere and that we look to and that we worship, man will come in there. Inevitably, man always comes in there, and they start playing God, and they start determining who lives and who dies. I think it was Mother Teresa that said, once a country begins murdering its own children, there's no further down it can go morally. Mm -hmm. So we, we right. look at the moral landscape of our nation, and it really is in a down spiral. It is just collapsing around us. And I get stressed out sometimes realizing just how crazy things are. And then I remember that quote, and I realize, I mean, if this is persisting, the murder of innocent babies in our country, um, I mean, what could possibly be worse than that? And you even mentioned the mothers, and I think it's it's important for us to mention this on the show. Um, they have been a victim and have been victims of legal abortion in this country, too, and suffer with so many consequences one of my dear friends had an abortion, and she's suffered for years with the pain of that abortion and has found forgiveness and redemption in Christ, and, and Christ does offer that. I'll just say as we close out the topic of abortion, I've said this on the show before, but I will personally give $1,000 to someone that can prove biologically that life does not begin at conception. I have made that offer numerous times on the show. I have yet to have anyone take me up on it. So if you feel you can prove biologically that life begins after conception, not at conception, please uh, call us and, and take advantage of that offer. I've also mentioned how if you are pregnant and thinking about abortion, that I or my wife or one of our friends would love to adopt that baby. There's a list of people in our city right here that are ready to adopt any babies that um, you're considering aborting. So call and we'll get you connected with somebody that would love to provide a loving home for your baby. Well, Jason, it's been an incredible talk and there are so many other things that we could talk about in your book. And I really encourage readers to buy your book, The Raging War of Ideas. And I'm going to ask you in a minute how the best way to do that is. But I really want you to bring this home for us a little bit. What are some tips or action steps that Christians can take right now to get involved in turning the culture around for Christ and actually making a difference? Well, again, it's been a pleasure with you guys. I appreciate the time and, and just what you guys are doing in the ministry that God has called you to, and I pray that you guys could continue to you know, fight the good fight of faith. But, yeah, to, to, to wrap it up to your listeners, um, I just encourage them, uh, again, if there's a Christian listening um, that they need to ask the Lord, God, what is it that you have called me to do? Yes, I'm a Christian. I know Christ is my Lord and Savior, but I am to stand up. I am to speak the truth and love, Ephesians 4.15, but I am to always have an answer to those who ask me in 1 Peter 3.15. and Jude 4, we are to contend for the faith. Now, that comes, I believe, when you look at Scripture, through a passionate desire to grow in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We can talk a lot about these issues, but you gain power and you're emboldened 
for you daily, what I encourage listeners, I encourage Christians to daily spend time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Pray, seek Him, be in the Word. See, the thing is, a lot of these things have gone awry because Christians have not been in the Word of God. And being, by not being in the Word of God, we're not teaching the Word of God. So I'd really say be in the Word of God. Secondly, obviously, uh, in respect to the interview, uh, I encourage your listeners to get the Raging War of Ideas. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Noble. They can get their copy, whatever um, you know, device they have, um, and, and, and order the Raging War of Ideas. There's a study guide, and I would encourage your listeners not just get the book, but get the study guide. And then take a step further, invite a couple people, family or friends, somebody at your church or a group that you're already involved in, and use the study guide to deal with a lot of these issues that, Nate, you guys address on your show and, of course, that we address in our ministry. We are looking not just to inform, but to activate Christians to get involved in these cultural issues. Very good, Jason. Um, a couple of closing questions for you. Um, first off is, uh, where can our audience find more about you? Do you have a, a web page that they can get on? Yeah, they can go to reshiftministries.org. So that's R-E-S-H-I-F-T, ministries.org. Uh, and there's there's a bunch of resources and stuff like that that they can get. Uh, they can obviously go to our uh, Facebook page, Reshift, Reshift Ministries as well, uh, or YouTube, uh, Reshift videos, whatever. Uh, and they can get more information, articles, uh, blogs, videos, and, of course, small group studies and books. Uh, very good. And have you written other books? And if so, um, where can people get those? Yeah, actually, me and Dr. Geyser, we just uh, uh, finished up um, our latest book. It's it's called The Bible's Answers to 100 of Life's Biggest Questions. And so Baker Books, that's going to be coming out this fall. Uh, and actually people can already pre-order their copy. Again, they can go to Amazon, Barnes, and other outlets um, to pre-order the book. This is a, a great work with both of our backgrounds. What we did was we took, again, one of the top 100 questions, the top 100 questions we believe are so important today that he's been asked, that I've been asked, of course, Dr. Norman Geiser being the legendary apologist, theologian for the last 60-plus years. He's written over 90 books. So it was a great high honor with my mentor to write a book with him, but we wanted to write it with not just a uh, apologetic uh, emphasis, but really a worldview emphasis. So we have 12 different subjects that we cover, ranging from theology, apologetics, worldview, world religions, politics, a lot of these issues that we talked about on the on the show, as well as family issues regarding parenting and children and social networking and things like that. So it's a helpful resource for any parent, anybody, any Christian, even seekers, as well as people who are involved in ministry. So, yeah, that's going to be coming out. And then we're excited. Our, our ministry, uh, Reshift Ministries, is also going to be uh, coming out with a new uh, parenting series that we're hope, hope, hopefully releasing the next year that will guide parents uh, to understand their faith better and also uh, with their spouse and parenting this next generation and, and, and of course, the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on The God Solution. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I enjoyed it. It was great meeting you. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jason Jimenez 
of ReShift Ministries. Go to GodSolutionShow.com to get this week's interview and last week's interview with him. Well, if you're at a point today where you realize I need to begin a relationship with Jesus and I've never done that before, the Bible says you could do that simply by putting your faith and trust in him. That really means that you realize that you're a sinner that's separated from him. He's perfect. You're not. That you realize that he loves you and that Jesus, God in human flesh, came and lived the life that you could never live so that he could pay for your sins and mine in a way that I could never pay to give me eternal life. If you want to take him up on that incredible gift that he offers, you can do that right now through prayer. You can put your faith in him saying, Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me for my sins. I realize that you died on the cross for those sins and that you rose again to guarantee me eternal life. Please come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. I hope that you'll take that step today if you haven't already. I also hope that you'll visit a local church. Go to GodSolutionShow.com for a list of local churches and the times and places that they meet. And while you're there, leave us comments about the show. I'd love to hear what you're thinking about the God Solution Show. Well, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And that's my hope that you'll find him this morning. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for listening. Oh.